Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. And welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we wanted to talk about bacon. So bacon is a big thing on the internet. Everyone loves bacon. The hipsters love bacon. They're bacon t-shirts. There's bacon. What, Lauren? Beacons. Beacons. Stupid typos. Beacons. Oh, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. I know all about beacons because I, I made a prediction about beacons. For the 2014 uh, right. predictions. Uh-huh. So Beacon technology. Yeah, you may have heard of Beacons, especially if you are an iOS 7 fan and you might have heard of iBeacon. And you may wonder, what the heck is a Beacon? Why? Why? What are we talking about here? So really, to understand it, you have to know that Beacon's really an implementation. OK, it's not it's not so it's much not a, a new invention, but no. rather an application of Bluetooth low energy. Exactly. And Bluetooth low energy is part is one of the protocols. It's part of Bluetooth 4.0. Right. So Bluetooth is a set of standards for wireless data transmission. Uh, you may have heard about personal area networks, these little networks that exist within a small region. We're talking like within the the uh range of around 50 meters or around 164 feet. That's typically what Bluetooth 4.0 can reach. Mm-hmm. Um, these are where you can have all these sort of devices talk to one another within this region. If they were to leave the region, they would no longer be in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. So, I played some awesome games of Space Team over Bluetooth. Seriously? Space Team! Well, I mean, like the... the I have controllers for video games that run, work on Bluetooth. Right. I've got the Pebble smartwatch, which connects via Bluetooth to my uh, smartphone. I have a speaker in one of the showers at my house that is a Bluetooth speaker, so I can turn on my uh, my Neil Diamond playlist when I go and and I what? No, I, that's perfect. I'm coming to America today. Do- <laughs> I I love Bluetooth so. So Beacon, like you said, it's part of uh, Bluetooth Low Energy, or also known as Bluetooth Smart. Those are the the two interchangeable terms. And this is a particular set of protocols that allows for low-energy Bluetooth transmissions. This is really important because Bluetooth traditionally is kind of a, a battery suck. It, right. it really drains your battery pretty quickly. Right, but uh, but but this uses just small packets of information, so it's not nearly as much of a drain. Exactly. It's very efficient. Uh, it's and and it's also limited, right? So you're not going to be streaming like you know, I talked about that Bluetooth speaker that I have in a shower. I'm not going to use Bluetooth Low Energy to stream a song from my phone to that speaker because it can't handle that size of a data packet. It's it's really just a tiny uh, packet that can handle a little bit of of information. It's Twitter instead of Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good good comparison. You know, you, you are. Uh, it's very versatile, but it also has its limitations. So this technology, like you said, Lauren, it's not new. Uh, it was actually developed under the name Wybri by a company, little company called Nokia. So Nokia, Nokia or Nokia, depending upon how you like to pronounce it, started working on this way back in 2006. Uh, but it was eventually lumped in in 2010 with the Bluetooth standard. So we've had this since 2010, but it's just now starting to get some traction. You're starting to hear about beacons, especially once uh, Apple announced that they were incorporating iBeacon. Although, to, to be fair, Apple was not, they didn't trumpet this. This was not like one of their big announcements when they unveiled iOS 7. Yeah. If you looked at one of the uh, keynote slides, almost at PowerPoint, but keynote slides, it was. They probably weren't using PowerPoint. Probably not. <laughs> uh, 
it was one of like two dozen terms on the on a slide that was appeared down toward the lower left hand corner, and it wasn't really featured at all. Uh, well, I think that that's mostly because not that many um, not that many apps have have that function built in or or that that not that many hardware providers are overall selling beacon technology to to places that would use be able to use them yeah exactly yeah there's only a few examples right now for example uh the apple stores have them right uh now in the apple stores case here's i guess i should really explain what a beacon does technically what a beacon does is it transmits information over this bluetooth low energy to devices that can then accept that information it can also act as a receiver. It doesn't have to just be a transmitter. It can be a transmitter and receiver. And in fact, I think most implementations we will see will show both transmitter and receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea being that because it's low energy, you could create a standalone device that all it does is beam out whatever information you want it to beam out. And it would be accepted by uh, other mobile devices that have Bluetooth technology enabled that have some sort of app that is able to interpret this information and present it to you. So in the case of the Apple stores, it was information about like how long the wait was at the genius bar. Mm-hmm. So you might walk in and as long as you had that app installed on your iPhone and your iPhone was running iOS seven, then you would get that information. So it's kind of like real time uh, updates about the environment you are currently in. And, right. ag- and, it, and again, it, it, it obeys the same range rules of Bluetooth. You know, once you get outside of that 50 meter range, you're not getting those those updates anymore. Mm-hmm. But a whole bunch of devices within that range can all receive this information simultaneously. Right. And if you have a lot of the beacons in a space, you can get different types of information as you move through the space. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the Apple Store, uh, because why not? It's a trending place. So there might be one beacon that's near the Genius Bar that gives you an update on how that's going. There might be another beacon that's closer to, say, the Mac displays, Mm -hmm. and you get information on all the newest Mac computers. And then there might be another one that's over by the iPhone displays, and you get information about the iPhones as you walk around. So when you get close to the iPhone display, information pops up on your phone. And again, it's kind of like... It's it's like the Internet of Things meets augmented reality in a way mm-hmm. because you're getting this digital information about the actual physical environment around you. Uh, right. Each beacon has its own little ID. And so when your device comes within its range, um, your device is going to either receive a little packet of information directly from the beacon or just receive the beacon's ID and then forward it to a server, which can then give you a lot more information. Right. Exactly. Because, again, that the information the beacon itself can send is pretty limited. So there might be some tag teaming going on here. That would all depend upon the app that's on your phone. So this is also a good time to remind everyone that when we say the beacon is an implementation of of Bluetooth, it's a way of saying this is a means of transmitting data wirelessly. What happens with that data, how it transfers, what's being done with it, that's all dependent upon whatever app you're using. So in in other words, it's kind of like any app that connects to the Internet the Internet allows for the connection, but it doesn't determine what actually happens. What what actually happens is dependent upon the software of the app itself. That's why Twitter does not do the same thing as Foursquare, which doesn't do the same thing as Facebook, which doesn't do the same thing as et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they all have their own parameters. All right. That's important to remember because that's going to come into play in the second half of our conversation. Yes. So. Because you can have these devices that don't take up a lot of power, you can actually have pretty small form factors that have a little battery 
and this little transmitter and not a whole lot else. There might be a circuit board that lets it connect to either another server, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. or just to have some other sensor, depending upon what you want to use this for. Yeah, but it could be as small as a a dongle, like a USB dongle. Yeah, so it's it because it, it's small and it doesn't take up a lot of energy, you could theoretically have a whole bunch of these and, and dedicate each one to a specific task. Uh, one of the examples I like about what you could do with this is imagine that you go to another implementation could be a way of navigating around a really big space, like, say, an airport. Sure. So anyone who's done a lot of traveling, especially if you ever have to go through an airport you're not really familiar with, and maybe you have to make a connection, that can be really stressful. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's not like GPS is going to work in that kind of situation because the I mean, although the airport is very large, GPS isn't that specific. Right. And especially GPS usually can't penetrate if you're inside a building. Right. Right. You might if you're not close to a window, then you may not be able to get a a strong enough signal for GPS to even tell you really where you are. Uh, Right. But if you're using this beacon kind of technology, your device is going to have its own ID number. So so this beacon network can send out specific information to it, like, for example, how to get to your gate. Yeah. So let's say that I land at an airport I've never been at uh, and I open up my app and it then connects to this network, this beacon network that's inside the airport. And the closest beacon identifies who I am through the app. It knows where I'm going because the app I'm using has my travel plans in it. And then it relays the information to me saying, all right, you need to turn right and go down this way. And uh, your your gate is the the seventh one on the right. And so I know I just turn right and I go. I don't have to worry. I don't freak out and, and have a meltdown in the airport as I am wont to do. <laughs> and, uh, or it could give you coupons for that for that food booth. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in... maybe I'm rushing by Starbucks and then suddenly it says, hey, you want a coffee? I'm like, yes, yes, I do want a coffee. <laughs> Or uh, or it could give you information about the artwork that's that's posted up in the hallway. Exactly. And as you get closer to your actual gate, it may pull up your uh, your electronic boarding pass so that you so can it's just ready for you to scan and get on the flight. So mm-hmm. that way and you, you, they've even gone so far as to say, what if you had one of these so that as you got on the flight and you sat down, it reminded you, hey, turn off the cellular service on your phone now because now you're on on the plane. So hey. you need to do that. So. You can see where this could be really useful uh, in that, you know, again, kind of maneuvering through unfamiliar areas or taking advantage of things like uh, like, let's say, a store has a sale that you wouldn't have known about otherwise. But because you have this one app on your phone uh, and because it enables the connection as you walk by, it says, hey, by the way, uh, you know, shoes on sale. And you might think, hey, I. I need shoes. I will go and look at them. And this is beneficial to the store owners as well. I mean, because, you know, if you say, oh, I do need some shoes. I wasn't going to buy them before, but now I totally will. Right. And then the store owner sees through data visualization that you have interacted with a display. And it's because, you know, it think of think of looking at a screen where each of the beacons is represented on the screen in a location in your store. Perhaps it's even directly associated with a display. And then it it lights up every time someone interacts with it. And then if you see that on that screen that one section is lighting up a lot, you know that that's really popular. It's working really well. If another section is hardly ever lighting up, you might say, well, what's wrong? Is the display not attractive? Is it in a, just a bad area? Like there's just not a lot of foot traffic there. What can I do to improve the traffic there and, and improve sales? Yeah, especially over time, you can create a, a heat map of what your customers are doing. Yeah, it's it's like ground level market research that you can do yourself based upon this. Now, uh, that 
brings up the idea that they are watching what people are doing and how they're moving through the store, which can give someone the heebie and or jeebies. As I recall, Lauren, you felt that that was a little that was not really your bag. Yeah, well, it's actually when we were talking about it in the 2014 prediction show, what I more don't want is my phone pinging me about a billion different things when I'm in a store, because that's just not the the store experience that I am personally looking for. I can I can see where it would certainly be useful to many people. That sounds like I would be so irritated so quickly. So, Lauren, are you the kind of person this is just not not related to beacons? I'm, I'm curious to find out. Are you the kind of person who when you need to go shopping, you know exactly what you want, you go in, you get it and you leave? No, well, sometimes. Sometimes Cause, I cause am. That's me, because that, that's ah. what I call the dude approach. I'm like, I actually probably have the extreme lady approach, wherein I kind of know what I want, and then I also want to look at literally everything else in the store. But you want to do it on your terms. Yeah, got it. I don't want a guided tour. I understand. I understand entirely. And then, see, here's this: the thing you have to remember is that this involves you installing an app on your phone. Uh, and, and oh, one, yeah. No, one, no of, one is saying that this is going to be enforced. Right. And this is not like one app. This is this is a technology that enables app developers to make their own apps. So every store would have to create an app in order to interact yeah. with you in this you, way. You might either have 40 different apps on your phone so that you can go to the mall and use all this. Or you might find an app developer that partners with lots of different stores sure. to make uh, an over overarching kind of uh, experience. Uh, this is all brand new, so it's not like brand new in the sense of people actually working, building these things. So it's not like um, there's a lot to point at right now. All right, right. And, you know, people aren't the only thing that that beacons can track. You can also use BLE technology for a lot of different stuff. There's there's a particular product called DropTag that mm-hmm. includes BLE and, and a bunch of accelerometer type sensors. It's It's made to be included with shipments and to report back on whether or not the package was, in fact, handled with care. Yeah, I can imagine this being a big deal with, say, luggage. So people can can say, like, no, I can demonstrate to you that my luggage was not handled properly because look at the data. The data don't lie. Right. Um, You can also tag, say, uh, equipment in a hospital or something like that with receivers and set up a beacon network to track the stuff that you need. Yeah. In fact, the healthcare industry is one of the big industries that are that's projected to be a, a huge user of this kind of technology. Sure. Uh, uh, you could also use it to track your employees if they have an ID badge, although that 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 actually goes back into the creeping me out about right. tracking behavior kind I of thing. I noticed that you spent an average of seven minutes in the break room when your break times are supposed to be limited to five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that would be not so much fun. Um, although, although certainly in some situations it could it could be a boon to the business to figure out um, for for example, in in manufacturing or something, if if you need to figure out how long a product is spending with different teams of people, or, that could be very useful. Or, or if it's someone who's say like uh, on call, like an IT specialist, that could end and up they're being logging useful. their hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that could happen. So, uh, you know, we we mentioned that GPS doesn't necessarily work very well indoors. That's where this beacon technology is really expected to take off is in indoor areas. Uh, although not exclusively, because there are a lot of um, stadiums that are talking about using this. Uh, both football stadiums, Super Bowl used it. Sure. Uh, and then there are stadiums like baseball stadiums as well that are looking to use this kind of technology. Uh, but an enclosed area at yeah. any rate, even if not indoors. Right. So in this in those cases, it's really meant as a way of distributing information quickly to people that want that sort of information. So if you're going to a sporting event, it might be statistics, updated statistics of what's going on as you're watching it. 
but the way that beacons t- tend to track you to figure out where you are, if you're inside and there's no GPS, I mean, depending upon the app, it could actually ask your phone, what are your GPS coordinates right now? Sure. But if your, G- if your phone can't get GPS coordinates because you happen to be in the middle of a, uh, you know, the first concrete floor of a mall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a concrete bunker filled with beacons, <laughs> as they often are. Um, what it, what it tends to use is uh, the Received Signal Strength Indication, or RSSI. This is really the strength of the connection between your device and the beacon. And as the distance between your device and the beacon decreases, the signal strength increases. They're right. inversely proportionate. Sure. So um, the... By by using multiple beacons, you can start to estimate where someone is. If if you are close to beacon A and you're not far away from beacon C, but you're pretty far from beacon B, by triangulating that, you can kind of guess where the person is. Uh, sure. And the more beacons that you have set up in this kind of situation, the better your your accuracy is going to wind up being. Exactly. So that way you can start to track a person's movement through a physical space. Uh, at least with some degree of of uh, certainty. Uh, it doesn't always work. There have been lots of tests where people have walked up to a display that has a beacon there, and there's another display nearby that has a beacon there, and they get the wrong information for the for the display they're looking at. Uh, that does see, till, still happen, but... Uh, but as the technology improves, I think that that's going to smooth out a yeah. little bit. And it, it, might, also, it might take a while, and it depends, again, on how many beacons you've got in the area. Right, yeah, the actual physical layout of where you've put these beacons and mm-hmm. how, how those those borders overlap. You know, you don't want too much overlap because then you're just going to get confusing Chaos, information. Sure. But you don't want it to be completely separate because then you can't really tell where someone is. You just know that they're close by because it's not directional. It's just proximity. Right. So uh, that's important to remember, too. So we've got a lot more to talk about with this, including some of the big concerns beyond just, uh, hey, they're looking at where I'm going in the store. Uh, there's that's some weird. That's yeah, that's. I don't I don't know if I had like a dude following me around in the store the whole time, if I'd be comfortable with that. So why would I be comfortable with this? There are other concerns as well, and we'll talk about them in just a moment. But before we do, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Okay, so one of the things we have to talk about is if you have a a technology that can at least track your movements, uh, something immediately springs to mind besides uh, that's a little weird. It's a little creepy that they see that I'm moving through this space. And that's privacy. Right. You know, not just the fact that you're moving through a space, because in theory, you could have an app that doesn't collect any information about you. It just lets the system know that there is a person here, but there's no identifying information whatsoever. It's just a person who has Bluetooth enabled technology that's moving through the space. That is possible, but it's not likely. It's more likely that you're going to have people design apps that are going to collect at least some information from your device. Mm-hmm. And that information could reveal more about you than you might expect. For example, there are often a lot of, of people will say that certain information like your gender, your date of birth and your zip code are non-identifiable pieces of information, meaning that just because you give that over doesn't mean they know who you are because, you know, it, you could be any person born on a certain day who lives in a certain zip code. Except for 87% of the U.S. population, it totally knows who you are. Yeah, 87% of the time, that is unique information to an individual. So there is overwhelming chance that just with those three pieces of information, someone who has access to, uh, you know, just a list of people who live in that zip code 
would be able to identify. Cross-link and yeah. identify you, sure. So, and and note that even if you don't specifically give an app that kind of information, if you've, for example, linked it to Facebook, the app might have that info already. Right, exactly. Uh, anytime an app links through some other service, Facebook is the greatest example because uh, it happens all the time. Sure, right? but Twitter or LinkedIn or yeah. um, or any other number of things. Google Plus is another one. Yeah, sure. any of those, are, it, it's going to have as much information as you have um, granted, it. granted it. Now, the permissions in the actual app should lay out uh, what pieces of information specifically it is grabbing, whether it's from Facebook or whatever. Uh, also, the terms of service should spell that out. But people tend to write really vague terms of service. Uh, yeah. Also, I mean, and that's assuming that anyone actually reads the terms of service, which no one does. No one reads. I mean, everyone just hits I accept and then moves on because who who has time to read a 40 page dissertation that may not even give you any, any information, information that is understandable by human beings? <laughs> Perhaps if we contacted Joe's reptilian friends, we would be able to figure this out. But we poor humans can't. So if you guys don't listen to, to forward thinking, you, you totally you should. You totally should. Yeah. We, a, jo- Joe and I go off about reptilians extensively. It was impossible to control that, which I honestly, I didn't want to. You know, reptilians are pretty impossible to control. I understand. Especially the interdimensional ones. I, I found that out as the podcast continued. So yeah, you know, you, you could potentially end up sharing quite a bit of information about yourself, uh, depending upon the app. Again, this is this is independent of the technology itself. That's just the way that the data is conveyed from point to point. Uh sure. And and it's important. I mean I mean we're still talking this is opt in technology. Yes. No one is forcing anybody to, to download apps that use this. Although I should mention, I believe if you have iOS iOS seven installed on your iPhone, it automatically turns Bluetooth on as default. Yes, but you can turn it off. Yes, you can. And by turning off Bluetooth, that that also means you've opted out because Bluetooth is how these these things communicate. It's again like kind of like Wi-Fi or cellular service. It's just you know a, a different set of parameters, but the same basic idea. This is how that information is traveling. So if you are sharing this information, your privacy is at risk, obviously. Uh, your privacy could be uh, at risk in multiple ways. It could be that the app creator is collecting data and then selling it to other parties. So maybe you end up on every mailing list that has ever been made for every product ever, and then you get tons and tons of junk mail. Or it could be that uh, if the app developer is storing this information somewhere, if that's not secure... Someone else could end up hacking into that system and getting that information and abusing it. Yeah, we've seen plenty of examples, even if you don't have anything like a credit card number or something. Just your personal identification information can be enough for a hacker to do some serious damage. Like we're talking identity theft and things along those lines. So, I mean, you know, there are a lot of things to be aware of before you go into this now. It may be that you're perfectly fine with that. Maybe you are very careful with your information and you feel confident about it. Or maybe it's not uh, an issue to you at all, which is perfectly fine. There's no reason I'm not going to tell anyone, you know, there are certain apps that I might use that use this technology that because I just like the experience of having that app. For example, I am a baseball fan. I'm not a statistics fan. Like, I, I don't obsess over statistics. But if I did... I could easily see myself wanting to have this so that I could get more information. You know, every time a player steps up to bat and have that statistic update. So it's almost like I have a real time baseball card for every player in every every uh, team. 
That'd be amazing. Oh, sure. I mean, more information overall, I'm, I'm certainly not going to say is a bad thing. That's that's lovely. Yeah. You just have to think of what the trade off could be. Sure. So and also if I'm at the ballpark and I find out that for some reason they're running a special on nachos, I definitely want to pounce on that. I have such a nacho craving today. I you know, I do, too. I but I'm not going to go on to that. It's 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 not your fault that I'm concentrating on this. I know I, I'm ashamed of myself for that one, Lauren. I'm not even going to look you in the face because I feel terrible. <laughs> all right. So uh, at any rate. So, again, the app is what this all depends upon. So uh, you also have to worry about security. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But security is, is just another of those issues where anytime you have information spreading from one point to another, if you have an app that that takes people's information and sends it, transmits in some way, there are ways to either intercept that information or to uh, otherwise corrupt the information. So that's also something to think about. Another con of this kind of technology, uh, like I said earlier, I I personally would not want a store shouting at my phone a whole bunch of stuff as I walked through it. So I I, I think that I think that overstimulation could could be an issue here. I, I can understand that. I, there are days when my phone notifications go bonkers because of Facebook, of Twitter, of email, and Plants vs Zombies too. That I I often consider turning it off. Oh, I don't, right. but I consider it. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of, of that store that I get like one or two emails per day from. And oh, yeah, do, sure. do I really want them sending that to, to give them? Yeah. Right. Yeah, Which, I do not. You know, and, and you know, granted, you could always uninstall an app. But at that point, they already have all that information anyway. So, you know, go back to the privacy issue. Um, also, it does require that you have Bluetooth on. Which is another uh, another resource drain on your device. Sure. Right. So you could uh, end up noticing that your phone battery dies faster. Uh, this is one of those things that actually they mentioned uh, that the Pebble mentioned when they were unveiling their stuff at CES 2013. Uh, someone actually asked, like, does having that Bluetooth connection on between the watch and the phone decrease the battery life? And and he was very forthcoming. The CEO of uh, of Pebble said. Well, yes, it actually can uh, decrease the battery life by up to 10 percent because oh, wow. mm-hmm. Bluetooth is a little power hungry. Sure. Now, the actual transmissions are taking very little power, but just maintaining the Bluetooth connection the whole time mm-hmm. is what's going to uh, start to to put a drain on that battery. Certainly. OK, so, you know, we, we've listed out some of the, the cons and I know it comes across like we're being really cautionary about this. But there are some some genuine benefits that I think are, are exciting about this. For example, you know, we've talked about NFC technology, near field communication, where you can have a an app on a phone or other device that has one of these chips in it and be able to buy something just by tapping the phone against some receiver mm-hmm. at, uh, at a vendor, put in a, a pen, and then you make a purchase without having to ever take out your credit card. The same thing could happen over this beacon technology. You're transmitting over Bluetooth instead of over NFC. It also has the added benefit that you can make that that purchase without having to tap your phone against anything because you know NFC has a range of a few centimeters but Bluetooth has a range of 50 meters. Uh, so. Yeah, hypothetically, when you walk into the store, a, an app or even a third-party thing like uh, like PayPal, PayPal has a dongle mm-hmm. in development to to sell to merchants right. for for this kind of payment structure where it's completely hands-free. Just just by being in the store, you can put. Uh, merchants on on a list of either pre-approved or like one-click approval kind of 
Yeah, which is cool. I mean, it, it streamlines your, your whole process. So, I mean, there's no downside to that, right? I mean, huh. Well, actually, on the merchant's end, um, they might wind up paying higher rates to credit card companies depending on what kind of agreements they have worked out. Um, all payments through the system would count as card not present transactions, which can sometimes come with a heavier fee than gotcha. card so, present. So that could be a disincentive for merchants to uh, implement that particular feature. So we'll see. Uh, but there are other pros we can talk about. I mean, obviously, you get more information about the environment you are in physically. Right. Uh, so that that can be really beneficial, particularly, let's say you're walking around a museum. You might be getting a lot more information about the exhibits that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And that um, kind of tour guide sort of sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. You might turn around the corner and, and next thing you know, your phone pops up and says, hello, Dolly. And then you're looking at a great Salvador Dolly painting. It'd be amazing. I, I like that in, in your utopia version of this technology, there's still a lot of puns. That's uh, also all of my, uh, all of my, my Bluetooth applications would be narrated by Carol Channing. So that's just, it's a requirement I have. Uh, you would also be able to navigate more easily. Like we said with the airport example, you'd be right. able to, you know, use these beacons to guide people. That'd be really useful if you happen to have a building that uh, that, you know, visitors are allowed in certain areas, but not others. And it make it a lot easier than having, you know, a whole bunch of different security points and stuff. Not that you would get rid of security points, but you might not have to have as many. <laughs> Actually, what I sort of thought of when we were when I was reading through all of these notes about this technology is that it would it would change the face of, of horror survival games because you would never have to jangle a door handle and have it tell you <laughs> that 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 the lock is broken. Yeah. You just know. Already. Yeah, right. You, you walk toward it and the phone would just say, uh, uh-uh, Buster. Nope. Yeah, you just turn. I had to turn around. <laughs> um, not that not that Bluetooth is probably going to work in a in a hell dimension like most. Yeah. Know. Anyway, um, but but this stuff would be hypothetically more stable than a Wi-Fi or cellular connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as long as you are within that range, it should be working pretty well. And you know, anyone who's uh, familiar with Wi-Fi and cellular issues knows that those that's not always the case. One of the other interesting things is that. You just need Bluetooth on whatever the device is in order to interact with this technology. So you need the Bluetooth and whatever the app is. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't need to have Wi-Fi or cellular capability. It could just be Bluetooth because that's the, the protocol being used. So you could have an old cell phone that you haven't used as long as it's able to run Bluetooth 4.0. Um, when yeah. I say old cell phone, I mean from this point forward old cell phone because I think you have to have Android 4.3 or an iOS 7 device in order to run it. But you wouldn't have to have a cellular contract exactly. or, or even a Wi-Fi. Yeah, you just have you would just have to have a device that can run this this protocol, and then you could use that as your device to interact with everything. So if you didn't want to load it down on your main phone, you just wanted to have this other gadget that gets bombarded with stuff, then you totally could do that, um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, also, you could I can see this as a, a a system that if you build the right app, you could interact with other people in your environment. Uh, by that, I mean, Apple's implementation of this is called iBeacon. Right. And technically, any iOS 7 device becomes an iBeacon. So it doesn't have to be a little standalone, you know, thing that's on a wall or on a shelf. It's actually on your phone or, or tablet or whatever. So a network of people can become a network of information. Yeah, you could even have uh, flash networks, right? Everyone who shows up who has this suddenly becomes part of this network if you have the right kind of app. You mm-hmm. know, you would have to design the app to do this. I could see this working in some place like South by Southwest, for example. Oh, sure. Becoming like a networking thing where even if you wanted to, you could make it where it's like an electronic business card exchange kind of deal mm-hmm. 
Or if uh, you want to do it in a more social setting, it could be for a dating kind of thing. Um, again, you have to be really careful with that because privacy concerns, right? Oh, absolutely. And you might want to find out if the person across the room is also interested in Monty Python movies, but you don't necessarily want to give all of your contact information upon that first exchange. These are, there are certain social situations we want to go through first. You know, there's a, there's a pecking order. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to accidentally hit the, I love you. Here's all of my information button. <laughs> uh, but you know, the, the, the biggest pro I think of all of this is that it is opt in yeah. and, and that, that any app that you're using is, you know, hopefully going to have these kind of rules and protections. And just like if you're going to be making a purchase, it's going to have encryption. It's going to require that you put a pin in there or some other form of security measure so that People can't take advantage of that. You right. know, th- that's really important. And I think uh, I think we've learned that lesson using other forms of data transmission. So my hope is that any app developer from this point moving forward keeps that in mind while developing apps, including and really anything where you're going to be exchanging information uh, actively with right. with a group of people or a, or a vendor or whatever. So uh, but because it's opt in means that you don't have to do it if you don't want to. If you if you want to if you want to take a wait and see approach and make sure that this is not going to end up being some sort of nightmare down the road, there's nothing wrong with that. You mm-hmm. can completely be cautious. You, if you if it doesn't interest you you at all, you can stay out of it. Um that's nice. So, yeah. I agree that's the biggest pro. That it's not forcing you to do it. Although uh if you do have an iOS 7 device, Remember to turn the Bluetooth off because if you want to, yeah, you've been opted in already. So technically, that's opt out, but still, it's opt. Yes, <laughs> which yes. is good, not compulsory. Any any opt is I'll I'll take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we prefer opt in, but give us at least opt out at the very least. All right. Well, that wraps up this discussion about beacon technology. I hope you guys found it interesting. Maybe you now agree with my prediction that it's going to be a huge thing this year. Uh, I will be shocked to find out otherwise, unless there's just some catastrophic, uh, bad experience that ends up making everyone say, oh, that was a bad idea. Let's go back Never to uh, chatting through interpretive dance. And that's all. All right. So if you guys have any suggestions for future topics we can cover here on Tech Stuff, let us know. Send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter or Tumblr. You can find us with the handle techstuffhsw and Lauren and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.